Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. All right, welcome back to another episode of Dirt to Dollars. We are uh, without our normal intro person at the moment, but she's going to join us in a little while. Uh, it's the week of August 2nd. See, I did get the date right. Maybe I need to start yeah. doing this. Maybe maybe you've yeah, maybe you've put her out of a job. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> uh, we're recording this on Wednesday the 4th. It's first week of August. First first week of August and July lasted 3 seconds. I know, has it felt like <laughs> August though so far? No. It's been kind of cool. Been kind of cool. Very cool mornings. Reasonable days, you know, getting in the 80s here in the last few days, but uh to me, it still feels hot. What about you? It's just dry. It's just so dry out. And it just feels like kind of you're out in a desert, yeah. crunching around in the yard. When you st- when the corn still looks like pineapples in the afternoon, it's hard for it to feel comfortable. Yeah, it is. Start- you're starting to see that on, on some of the edges of Which, fields and some of the that, hillsides. That may be more my stomach just feels like I'm going to throw up when I start mm-hmm. to see it, but yeah, you know, I was driving around um, looking for fall armyworms a few days ago and uh, just kind of taking note of some of the crop conditions. And we had, there's still several acres of corn out there that hasn't tasseled yet. Well, I, I can't think. help it. All your LaRue County farmers are just, they stay that far behind that they were planting mm-hmm. corn in June. Everybody, everything over here is tasseled. I don't well, know what you're talking about. There, There's a few fields <laughs> and there's some in Hardin County too, by the way, <laughs> that I drive by most every day. Uh, but either way, uh, that some of that, some of this late pollinated stuff is probably going to be hurting, uh, if we don't get some water here real soon, I'd say it's already, or, hard, it's already taking a hit, but well, if it hadn't, if it hadn't tasseled yet. Right. But it's losing, it, it's losing yield potential. Every, it could I mean, be, we're, but it, we're in water stress right now. We're not getting, but enough. if it, if it would turn off and start raining and rain through pollination and grain fill, it may be better than what's already pollinated. You're you're right. Yep. It'd be better we than what pollinated well. just a, yeah, what was it? Uh last week, uh, whenever we were in the nineties, mid nineties yeah. and uh full sun. Yeah, anything that was pollinating during that's gonna have some sketchy looking ears. Yeah. But we need a drink. I know I've talked to several this week that I don't know that I ever remember carrying this much potential into the end of July and watching it just go away like every second. Yep. The corn's about like me on Friday afternoon at 4.30. Needs a drink. <laughs> but it's a – I don't know. I, the good news is we've got higher prices. So, I mean, we've got the opportunity still to probably gross the same dollars that we grossed on last year's record crop. Yeah, and I and I may have jinxed it. I wrote a newspaper yeah. article that went in this week's newspaper basically saying, oh, it's going to be a great crop. You never, and, you never yeah, put that in writing. I did. There were some disclaimers in there that we're still waiting to see when we get some rain, and there's still potential for for bad things to happen. But overall, I think it will be a plus. It will be a good – good uh, good crop but we, we do and it's not going to be a it's not going to be a failure no heck no no but but it's not going to it's already not going to be last year yeah we've we can just write that off and i will put that in writing 
And we've still got potential for soybeans. You will? You put it in, you'll put that in writing? Uh, we'll put it on air, record it. We're, <laughs> we are not going to have the corn crop we had last year. You can mark that down. I think we'll have, Every, so I think we could have, I think we could still have a really good soybean crop. We could. Really good. We I could. Think this, I think this stress is really good for beans. And, and uh, the stress really early. Them. Yeah. I know talking with some people and I've, had our intern out we went and walked some beans this week too some full season beans that are setting pods right now and one thing you notice is they're short yeah they you are they're really short you can tell that beans, just driving around this time of year would usually you know you can find spots chest high and i mean they're knee to waist high now but you pull them back and their nodes are just super close together and they're loaded with blooms and starting to get loaded with pods we just need some rain to fill them Yep. There's still the yield potential there, and maybe, you know, we dealt with some lodging issues in beans last year, and you never really have just super yield, super good yields in lodged soybeans. So we don't have to fight lodged beans and cut a record bean crop. That'd be okay in my book. Mm-hmm. Now, these double crop beans, they may be a little different story. Have you been out in many fields of double crop beans? Yeah, the stands aren't the greatest. Just because we had such a wheat crop and it's just hard to ever get all that seed through that trash. That, um, but we had a, we've had rain to get those double crop beans going yeah. pretty good, and then it yeah. then it kind of cut off. So you've got yeah. a lot of these they're they're not canopied over the. Uh, not even close to canopying over and covering the ground, but you can see them over the wheat stubble for the most part. And they've, they've got time. They do. They still got time. And, you know, we'll get a rain here hopefully in the next week. And that'll hopefully, hopefully in the next week, hopefully it'll, we may get one this weekend. That was, I think there was a little chance, but not much. I don't, I don't yeah. like seeing, I think they just put those higher chances on there every now and then to make you feel better about it. And then you get closer and they start pulling them out. Yeah. Or it's like, I mean, we were supposed to have gotten rain last weekend. Mm-hmm. Some did. Very few, yeah, but some did get that. But can't, not, not, we all need it. No, all, we all need a little bit. Um, yeah. One, another thing on these double crop beans is fall armyworms. Mm-hmm. You seen any? I haven't seen any myself. Some. I walked through several fields and all I saw were uh, some dead ones. The field had been sprayed about a week and a half before and uh, couldn't find any any eggs or any sign that there's any new emergence of the of the worms but uh, there were a few dead ones out there and I walked a few other fields that hadn't been sprayed yet and couldn't find any Mm. so I'm sure they're out there and they're probably gonna they were probably waiting for me to walk out of the field because I know I'll catch them yep yep just scout or get somebody to scout for you that you trust that you need to be do do we need to be looking at do we need to be keeping an eye out on some other crops or is this mainly going to be on our, on our double crop beans? Uh, I know they can be a problem in pasture. I think we've talked about that and hay mm-hmm. fields, alfalfa. Alfalfa. Take so, a look at those. Yeah. may not Just be a bad idea to do a drive by or walk through there every now and yeah, then. You probably need to do a little more than a drive by. Well, but if you do a drive by, you could see if you've got a. You can see problem. if they've demolished yeah. it. Yeah. But then it's too late. Right. But that's better than not looking at it at all. Yeah. Uh, but if you if and, you if you walk through it, you're gonna you know you should see if you've got issues or not. And the important 
point here is uh, make sure you look at the label of the insecticides you're finding. A lot of the insecticides we're spraying uh, for these fall armyworms, especially on soybeans or insecticides we haven't used before in a lot of cases or don't use very often. Uh, so, yeah, make sure it's rated on the label and it doesn't have some kind of an asterisk beside it saying that it's only partial control or something because there are some mm. products that it'll say on the label that it's not going to do a real good job of controlling them yeah uh, i know pyrethroids and I know you want, yeah you want are, something with a couple modes of action that's the big thing so right they, they talk about pyrethroids not being effective i've read that in a few different places uh, but they can be the, effective if they're applied if at they're the right small. time yeah yeah, but yeah and, if they're if out you, there if you've got several what are the thresholds and the thresholds are so different it seems to vary no matter just on what you look at but yeah and i don't think they have very well established thresholds but it looks like if you're seeing egg masses which are like little white eggs yeah. um, if you're finding that on five percent of the plants then you might need to spray yeah. um, or if you see that you got 25 percent of plants that have the actual larvae on them that may be another sign that it's time to spray And then if you're kind of using defoliation, I think they have that as a threshold also. And that's kind of in that 25 to 30% uh, defoliation. That's about spray time. It's a spray 30, I guess, is what we would probably there you say. Go. I like that term. Mm -hmm. You know, another I'm, I'm trademark that one. There you go. You know, another insect that's a problem this time of year especially for poor guys like me who hate buying gates. <laughs> um, wasp. It's gate wasp season. Yes. Beware. Uh, I know. I, I got, uh, I got uh, broken into gate wasp season real quick. I bought some gates at an auction. And did they already had, did they come pre-wasp? pre-wasp. Oh, that was a deal. Yes. Can't beat that. And got stung loading the daggone things up. So Cool. Yes. They didn't have that on the description. I bought them through yeah. an online auction and it, you know, it said slight That's, rust. It didn't say they were pre-wasped. You'll have that on yeah. online auctions. You got to watch yeah. them. Yeah. I went to, went to open up a gate to let some cows into a hay field the other day. And they just, I didn't get stung, but they just about lit me up like 30 of them. Mm. Went through two cans of wasp spray, and I don't know if these are, like, resistant from whatever I got at the dollar store or what, but it acted like it wasn't doing nothing. Yeah, dollar store wasp spray. I don't know if I'm <laughs> doing that. That's like buying generic toilet paper. I'm going to buy it of It kind of flooded them out and ran them off just enough that I could push the gate open real quick and then run. <laughs> right. But yeah, it didn't. So you got me. you got your gate on good hinges, so at least you yeah. can just kind of push it open. Mine, I some of mine aren't on hinges all the way, and I got to pick them <laughs> up and move them. So that's what'll get you. Yeah, and it always seems it like up. they build the nest, or yeah, that'd be a nest, wouldn't it? Like on the bar that you grab. Yeah, there's always a hole right there where you grab the gate to open it, and that's mm -hmm. right where they're at, and they come out and nail you every time. You'd think we'd have some gates that could hold up, not do that. But I've got some that are two or three years old and already yeah. probably pop my finger through them. Well, it felt good last night. We had a, 
uh, in-person field day here in Hardin County. Uh, had our drones in agriculture field day uh, with our intern, Dustin Goslin last night. Yeah, I saw some pictures on Facebook. It looked like you had a big crowd. Yeah, we had a had a big crowd. We had between 65 and 70 people there. Pretty good Dang. turnout for a for a field day in the middle of summer. So I think people were ready to get out. So some kind of interesting stuff there. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of times when you have weather that nice, it's hard to get people to come out to anything because they're home yeah. working on stuff on the farm. Yeah. But I think what you all were doing there, it was a lot of interesting stuff that people hadn't seen before. So it's pretty good, uh, pretty good time to come out and, and learn something new. Yeah. Uh, one of the most interesting things to me, they had a company there that had a drone that they did aerial spray applications with, and I think also had some dry hoppers they could uh, fly fungus or fly cover crop seed over top. Really, of they did seed with, with the drones. Yep, huh. yep. that's yep. cool. So you're kind of limited to tank size, I think, but they're so fast and it's fully automatic. Nobody has to fly it or drive it or anything. Basically, all the guys doing is sitting there filling. So. A uh, pretty neat deal. So yeah, you sent us a video of that. Uh, I think texted it to us. And one thing yep. that I noticed is it must have been unique because everybody in the everybody crowd had their phones, had their phones out, out recording it going across the field. Yeah, that's right. But you know, this year after we've had so many problems with aerial applicators pulling out and leaving and picking and choosing fields and not wanting to apply on odd shaped fields and stuff, I think that's definitely something that might have some potential. Uh, you know, he threw some prices out there. They're a little different pricing structure than most custom applicators. They charge by the hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he threw some prices out there that when you do, did the math on how many acres an hour they were covering, it was really competitive with a aerial applicator and really kind of competitive with a ground rig. So mm-hmm. uh, something we probably need to be looking at in the future. It probably has a fit here in this part of the world. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, unique things, um, Whitney's here. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think of a better way to dive hey. in. Thanks for finally joining us. You're a little you late fit this me morning. In, huh? I was yeah. going to say, thinking of, of good fits, we're yeah. finally, there you go. Dream team is back mm-hmm. together again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's been, uh, you know, it's been busy. And if you, it's been busy and I mean, obviously we've had a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, sorry, I couldn't be there earlier, but it seems like y'all have had a pretty good, um, informational session last night from what I understand. So that's good. Are you like building something in there? No, they're, <laughs> they're working. I'm sorry. I'm trying really hard. They're trying, they're fix, shimmying the doors cause they won't shut. Ah, okay. So he's fixing them. And of course they're right outside my freaking door. <laughs> It's all right. Well, are they you, you, are they shimming them or shimmying them? He's taking them off the hinges and fixing them. Hang on just a second. So if you it's if you hear morning. any random drills going on through the show today, we apologize. It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, we're good. All right. So, so we got um we got a guest with us today, and it's probably getting about that time to to get to her. She's got a, she's I hear she likes to talk. <laughs> I think she's going to have a lot to share with us today. Uh, hey, I uh, I wore my eat beef shirt. You can't see this at home, but I wore it in protest today. So, but is it oh. what's the shirt made out of? Probably cotton. Yeah, it's, that it's one, probably not wool. Uh, I, I don't think I'd want to wear a wool t-shirt in the summertime. <laughs> 
So anyway, uh, Whitney, would you like to give our guest an introduction? Joined with us today, we have Miss Kelly Yates. She is Kentucky Sheep and Goat Development Office uh, Executive Director. You know, Daniel and I have divvied into sheep and well, he more than I now. And why not have the person in charge with us today? So it, it took you long enough to get on here today. So we're glad to have you finally. Yep. Sorry that took so long. Oh, so. no, it's fine. Like, hey, you know, <laughs> the ag world is a crazy world, but we're glad you could be with us. And um, can you, I guess, just to kind of get folks started, um, what is, what's your background? Um, how'd you get started in the sheep and goat development office? Do you have sheep yourself? Kind of start from there. Sure. So I'm from Clark County, Kentucky. Grew okay. up here, been here my whole life. Uh, my husband and I have 50 acres, uh, but we farm about 300 from what we rent. And we have cattle on our farm. And then the sheep were from my family. So my mom and dad still have the sheep on their farm, which is about 14 miles down the road from me. So we have suffix because that's what you show, right? When you're nine and it was, I'm not gonna tell you how many years ago it was, but that's what you showed. So we have suffix. Um, and I showed market lambs for about six years and decided I wanted to go into the breeding sheep showing thing. And so I did that for about five years. And then I hit about 16 and realized that I'm taking my best animals on the road in the heat in the middle of the summer. And then my best animals aren't breeding in the fall when I want them to. <laughs> right. So to stop my showing career, which my dad was really torb about, like he did not want me to do. There was a older couple in Shelbyville that had some Dorset crosses and they were going out of business and I took my trailer down there and I bought their herd and I put that ram out with my ewes and I ended <laughs> my showing experience by crossing up those suffixes. and dad to this day is still reminding me that I messed up some of his lines is what he says but anyway <laughs> so but uh we went commercial from then on out and uh, we we just sell at graded sales um that's what we do my dad's 81 years old. So doing any kind of niche marketing or direct marketing is a little difficult when you get to that point. So we just sell integrated sales and we sell our suffix lambs at a, some anywhere between 110 and 130 pounds. Um, it's because they're big sheep. So they tend to get big um, by the time we wean them. And I went to the University of Kentucky and I got a bachelor's degree in ag communications, which they don't have any more, but I'm still going to claim that I have a BS degree. And I got my master's in vocational education after that. And I was an extension agent. I was a 4-H agent in Fayette County for about six and a half years. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that about you. I, but that's I know. Right. So um, Maddie Wells, that was there in Fayette County here recently. She says like, I still see your name on a bunch of stuff. <laughs> in this office. So there is evidence somewhere that I was there. Um, I did that for about six and a half years and had my first daughter. And then moved over to farm credit for about four or five years and my second daughter. And then this job came along and I happened to know all the people that were on the board and kind of what was going on. I went and interviewed and luckily got the job. So now I get to work from home uh, part time working for the sheep and goat development office. So that's awesome. Yeah. So as, as far as being the executive director of the Sheep and Goat Development Office, uh, can you give a little bit of, I mean, for those of us that are in the Sheep and Goat world, we kind of have an idea of what it is, but for those that may not be or may be interested in it, what what do you do and kind of what's your um, sure. daily goals? Sure. 
well, luckily with this job, like every day is different, which is what I like so much about it. But so the reason it's different is the Kentucky Sheep and Goat Development Office is an umbrella for the Kentucky Goat Producers and the Kentucky Sheep and Wool Producers Associations. Okay. So they work together um, to work in this office. So the office is kind of the one that administers and herds the cats kind of deal, Mm -hmm. right? So that we can do um, cooperative education and different things like that. That's, it's just easier together than it is trying to do all that stuff apart. So that's where the office came from. Our office has three part-time contractors. So me as the executive director and we have Sarah Beth Perido. She's in charge of fiber marketing and production. And then Sharon Coots, she's our office manager. She's the one that like just keeps us all together. So she's the one that handles the memberships and reminds us and, you know, fields things to each person. So that's the three of us that get paid. And then the board itself is consisting of members from the Kentucky Goat Producers and the Kentucky Sheep and Wool Producers. So there's a nine-member board that kind of guides and directs what the office does. So our, and, and like I said, I was an extension agent for six and a half years. So um, education is, is really my thing. Like that's the first thing I think about. So our office does a lot of education because I'm like, oh, let's do this because you don't have the idea. Um, but we do help on the promotion side of things. Uh, our checkoff board helps with that a lot. So they help create and, and fund a lot of the promotion that we do. And then we do help on the marketing side some. Like we don't necessarily connect a producer with a specific market outlet. Like if they're trying to direct market, I don't necessarily connect them with the restaurant, but we create pathways to make that happen. So we can educate them on how to get into a restaurant and then they can make that initial thing. Uh, we work with KDA and Jason Watcher, the grader. We work with them a lot and we work with the KDA office and make sure that position has all the resources that it needs to keep going. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of sums that up. So that that's how my day goes. Um, it's just kind of coordinating all those things. So. You all have a really good website that I, that I utilize quite a bit and, and look to for information. Um, what's, what's the website that people could find um, or can find your office at? Sure. It's KY, like Kentucky, mm-hmm. and sheep, and A-N-D, all spelled out, goat.org. So we have videos on there, and we have lots of different resources, like Daniel mentioned, um, and we also have on our homepage, like all of our upcoming events. So if we have a webinar coming up, we have our annual conference coming up in October, it's posted on there. And then we're working with KCARD and their Kentucky Ag Vet program. So that's on there. You can learn more information and connect with that. Um, so yeah, just, and our magazine is on there. So if you're looking for articles or anything like that, you can get on there. So it's a pretty versed website really yeah it's got a lot a lot of good stuff on there Uh, i will say too so talking about some educational things um i'm just from my personal experience i'll i'll brag on two different things that you could probably find on that website one is university of kentucky's lambing school which is uh, if you can make the if you're you know interested in sheep i think that's a great place to go and kind of see some things in person um but also you all had the videos of i think last Mm -hmm. year's lambing schools we couldn't have them in person because of covid um so if you're looking for some quick things to review. Those are, those are nice, but really the small remnant profit school, um, I'm sure the information on there is uh, for that program is on the website too. And that's a really great thing for anybody that's interested in getting started. It's just a good, you know, uh, 
background of, of basically everything you need to know. And it's a lot. <laughs> it is a it's lot, a but lot. it's all it's all good stuff that you need to know if you're getting into uh, uh, into having sheep. Yeah, we. OK, so Small Rent Profit School started in 2013 or 14, and it was like a it was kind of a hybrid deal. So it, it was a face to face class, but like agents across the state would team up with me and producers would go to their office and then we would simulcast the teachers to all those offices and like the teachers would be in like one particular office. So it was kind of face to face there for a while, which was good, but then it just got to be super overwhelming. Like there wasn't enough agents available or enough time to do that and more producers and, and couldn't get necessarily offices and areas that people wanted it. We were like, this is crazy. We should just put this online and go with it. And we did. And it's been great ever since. So we've had the same number of people go through the online course, same uh, ratio of people that graduate the class and that kind of stuff. So we know it's an effective way of doing it, but it's a 15 module online course. And there's about 20 some odd videos in those 15 modules, but it's designed to be a starter course. It's like a survey of small unit production. Like it covers all the topics, but not in like a super great depth, but enough that the thought is that you can make profits by still keeping your animals alive. <laughs> you knew yes. this basic information and that would increase your profits. Cause I mean, small ruminants are not easy to raise. They're just not. A lot of people think you just put them on grass and leave them, but that is just not the way that it works. So no. it's an overall survey class. Um, and we've probably had like roughly 500 people graduate out of that course since 2014 when we started. Cool. So we're pretty proud of that program, but it's available all the time. So you can register whenever you can take the modules in whatever order that you want, um, whatever works for you. So if you're thinking about doing it and it's coming up on fall, like you might want to take like the repro and genetics classes first and then, you know, back up to something else. So. Are, there, are there any costs associated with that? There is a cost. If you are a current member of Sheba Producers or KGPA, it's $75. If you're not a member, it's $30 more at $105 and that gets you a membership. And we want people to be members of the associations because you can take the information you learn in that class, but then you can network with people in your association to like go see it in person. And you can get a mentor that way through that program. So we feel like it's it's just good to go ahead and get you some buddies right up front. So we um, do your membership with that. Um, and we yeah. have, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited. It's not done yet. I'm still working on it. But we're going to have the next level, Small Remnant. It's going to be Small Remnant Master course coming up, hopefully the beginning of next year. If not the beginning of next year, like definitely in the spring, it'll be out. But it's going to take like smaller profit school and kind of put it on crack is what I tell people. So we're going to go into much more depth and information on each one of those topic areas. And it's it's like a lifetime access. So when you get that, you you get it forever. And it's just going to break everything down. The thought is, is that people have who have gone through smaller profit school and been in production for, you know, five or six years. This is the next step you want to take because we're going to focus on. If you are producing, you know, lambs and kids in the fall, here's where you need to be looking at on your marketing side. If you're lambing in January and February, this is what you need to be thinking about on your marketing side. And the same thing for April um, and introducing some concepts that people don't use a whole lot, like dry lotting. If you're an April producer, that's something you might want to keep in your back pocket 
um, and, and not feel like you're sacrificing your grass or doing it wrong because you don't have animals on grass. So this may not be, there may be two or three months in the year that dry lawning would be a good deal for you and make you more successful. Just different things like that. So mm-hmm. we've got Andrew Weaver out of North Carolina State. He's going to be doing the goat education. Of course, Dr. Ely will be doing the sheep education. So cool. I'm all about recording Dr. Ely as much as possible because when he decides that he doesn't want to teach anymore, we've lost 40 some odd years of experience right. oh, there. But if I got him recorded, then we'll have it forever. <laughs> I know. If you've ever had Dr. Ely, I worked under him and had him in class. He's a wealth of information. So, yep. It's a, it's good to have him along. Yep. He's enthusiastic about it, which is uh, very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least the classes aren't dry and boring, you know, cause he just thinks it's awesome. So yep. you should think That's it's true. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, you've been pretty gears. quiet. Uh, yeah. I'll... I know you're not a, you're not a, a sheep guy yet, but uh, uh, you got it. You got anything you want to, you want to ask? I better say something so everybody doesn't think I'm asleep. Anyway. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll change gears a little bit. Uh, is there anything, what are some trends, I guess, that you're seeing in the sheep and goat industry in the state of Kentucky right now? Sure. One of the biggest trends, as I can see, is that people are increasing their herd and their flock sizes. Um, like We have one shear that's on our shearing list. He's part of our shearing and mentor program. And he sheared our sheep in May and he made the comment. He said, I've already sheared the same number of sheep from January to May as I sheared all of last year. And he was talking mm. about in 2020. So I know flock sizes are increasing. And of course, if wool flock sizes are increasing, you know, hair sheep flock sizes are increasing. So the other thing I can see is that when people post things on our hoof trader, um, of course, a lot of them are hair sheep, but they're moving pretty fast on those. So I know people are increasing those numbers. And I think it's because people are seeing there's obviously greater potential with the more numbers that you have because you can move that volume and you can take advantage of different marketing opportunities. So you can I, I was thinking you know, people took at different their, times of the year and have income more. So I was thinking people took their STEMI checks and went and bought sheep with them. So. Yeah. Well, or <laughs> you know. I mean, in the prices right now, I was actually, Daniel and I were talking last week about how the prices actually stayed up. You know, usually if you learn mm-hmm. in small room at profit school, they kind of dip in the summertime and they have not dipped much. So I know, I know I was telling good. somebody the other day, I'm like, well, let's go through one more year and we may have to go change all of that marketing <laughs> stuff in that class because I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah That's a good great. problem to have though. That's a good problem it's, to have. It is a good problem to have. The prices are really good. Now they are lower right now than they were, let's say like two months ago, but that still that low is higher than what our typical prices are in this time of year. Right. So we sell mostly to the ethnic market. So obviously our prices are going to be higher when there's a lot more ethnic holidays and they're going to go down when there's not. So typically in the summer, you're going to have a dip. And then I'm working with a, um, an economist out West, who's going to take all of our prices and try to kind of develop like a, like a white paper of like what that looks like. So when I say that the trend dips, like somebody's going to say, yes, the trend dips, right? I've got an economist that agrees with me. So it dips. But I think what I am seeing is that like when prices for lighter weight lambs go down, the prices for the heavier weight lambs are going up and then they flip flop, but they're all high from like, you know, January through the end of April. So in my mind, I think, you know, most lambs need to move by the end of May. 
if you're a heavyweight lambs, you could probably move by the end of June and then the prices are going to tip. But then when you get to heavier weight lambs, those prices are going to start ticking back up in like October, November, and December. And then your lightweight lambs are going to really hit the peak in January. So if you're lambing in different times of the year, that's what we're going to talk about in this master small ruminant. Here's a way that like you can take advantage of some different ways. Like don't just think you got to run them all out the door into the trailer at one time, you know, create yourself some variety in that marketing. So that way you can take advantage of different, different times in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just helps to spread your risk out too, just yes, in case yeah. prices do decide to, to go down someday. Exactly. Exactly. And if people are increasing their flock and their herd sizes, um, selling them all at lighter weights, then eliminates the, 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 the animals available for people that to want to increase their breeding stock. So, you know, you can think about that too, is just keep them a little bit longer and sell them as ewe lambs or dolings and hit that breeding stock because then that way you've got a market for that too. And I tell people all the time, like, don't ever worry about selling your breeding stock and thinking that, well, if my neighbor gets 500, it's going to mess me over on my prices. Cause that is not the case, right? Like we import so many pounds of lamb into our country. Like there's no way that your neighbor's ever going to be your competition. <laughs> Never. So just everybody get 500 unless it's rock and roll. Right. And do this. So yeah, but that's pretty much what I'm seeing right now. If, if I, if I had a crystal ball and I could tell you why the prices are the way they are, like I would obviously be doing something else with my life, but uh, I'm just glad that they are high <laughs> right now and we'll just keep riding the wave. <laughs> so I'll look at it. No. You mentioned hair sheep being really popular, which I mean, I, I probably know, but which, which is the most, seems to be the most popular right now across the state. Most people are talking Katahdin mm-hmm. um, or Katahdin Dorber crosses. That's so what that I had. seems to be, yeah. yeah, the biggest cross. There's still some St. Croix out there. Um, we do have some Royal Whites, which if you've never looked into them, you should definitely look into those. That's a really interesting breed. That's one um, that I've been hearing more and more about. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. it seems like maybe that may be the next thing after after the Katahdin rush. It may be putting some of that in our in our lines. And I had right. a, I had a farmer that had St. Croix and he liked them because he said they, he had hardly any worm problems. He said normally, or parasite problems. He said, you know, right. typically with sheep, you're dealing with that. And he said with his St. Croix herd, he had, now that's not to say, I mean, some of that has to do with management, obviously, sure. but he really, he really liked to be St. Croix as well. Yeah. So they, they do seem to be hardier, at least from the people that I talked to again, can't believe everything you hear you know out there even if it's coming from a breed association right but anyway um but they do seem to be hardier and then people are throwing the katahdins on them i guess trying to get more meat on them i'm not really sure maybe a dorper cross and those might do that too um but yeah i'll be interested to see where those royal whites go and i'd say that breed association is probably you know ticking up there their efforts on that side too, to say, well, Hey, there's another alternative out there. So that might be part of why you're seeing, you know, increase in talk on those. But, um, we have a breeder directory listing on our website. So if you're interested in getting into the business or want to expand, you can go to that goat in that sheep breeder directory listing and it'll tell you what breed and then the type of operation they have, whether they're purebred or commercial or club lamb or kid or dairy or fiber. And, and they find- use it. People use it because I've had several phone calls throughout yeah and that's awesome because um and I know like when I get our website stats 
like those are the two pages that get the thousands of hits every month mm -hmm. you know that come in so yeah i know people were using it so if you become a member you get a listing on there so if you're interested in selling breeding stock that's definitely a something you want to think about it's only 30 bucks for a year like it's a pretty good deal you're spend more, yes, yeah is. you're gonna spend more than 30 bucks on feed <laughs> next week <laughs> so not a bad deal really do y'all buy the management calendars every year yes we do yep. and that's a that's another great uh resource that i mean i have one on my fridge <laughs> right yeah. now but it's uh yeah. it's it's got a lot of helpful information for uh it, you know of course i'm still kind of new i'm a few years in but uh it's nice to to be able to refer to that calendar of what i need to do as the year goes on yeah i feel like that's a really good resource that we offer our producers um like you said especially for new because you could when you take small rent profit school, your last module is creating a production plan for your farm. So you know when you're going to flush and when you're going to breed and when you're going to wean and when you're going to vaccine, you know, vaccinate and that kind of stuff. And just being able to take that information and put it on that calendar and then be able to see when your sales are and then the tips on the side, to me, I feel like is a really good plan, you know, overall plan for your farm. And you can really take that and expand it for your marketing plan or your business plan or whatever. Um, just gives you some a skeleton and gives you some support so that you don't have to guess <laughs> when mm -hmm. you have to do things. So all if right. you have anybody that wants to contact you, what's the best way to reach out to you all at your office? Sure. So on our website, when you go to the about, you can see all three of our contractor names that are there. So if you're on the fiber end or interested in fiber um, or trying to create a niche marketing there, Sarah Beth Perido is the route to go. Um, if you just have like membership questions, um, just kind of general questions about the associations or something like that, Sharon's a good contact for there. And then if you, anything else, you can just send my way. So uh, my number is 502-682-7780. And my email address, it's really long. I'll give it to you anyway, though. It's K like for Kelly and then Yates, my last name, Y-A-T-E-S. So Yates at kyshepandgoat.org. And that sheep and goats, just like our website, okay. .org. So they can email me there. Um, and like I said, you can find us on the website. Like I know people do because I get calls and emails all the time. <laughs> so I know that's how they're finding it. Um, if you go to a graded sale, um, you can also ask Jason Washter. And generally, Dr. Beth Johnson is there too. And she always has material with her about the associations in the office and stuff. So she can for sure, you know, give you that and head you in that direction as well so and then call y'all <laughs> yeah all right kelly well thank you very much for joining us today and hopefully we'll get you on again here soon sometime yeah let's do it it was fun thank you thanks thank you thanks all right matt so what do you think we just finished up a good uh, sheep segment there have you yeah. put in an order for any breeding stock yet not quite you listen, yet. you okay. listen to Kelly and then listen to Dr. Ely and you'll have sheep by the end of it because they're both <laughs> real big supporters of it. They're, and they're very passionate about it. And you can yeah. tell the work that they do. Yeah. Kelly's a great resource to them. And I, I know I use her a whole lot, even when I was producing and as an extension agent. So, and I didn't know that she was an extension agent beforehand. So that was, I learned something today. We just train the best. Mm, yeah. Speaking of not you know being an extension agent if you could have one job that was non-ag what would it be urban taste tester <laughs> okay okay <laughs> that's a good one i've never really thought about it 
being full time farmer. <laughs> well, that's what I that's just assumed you would say. Yeah. No. Oh, did you say you non, said non you said non a? I thought you yeah. meant like not extension. Well, bourbon taste tester—that's borderline. I mean, it's an ag product. Yeah. That's an ag degree or ag job. No, it's not. But it's a ag-related job. That's isn't every field is every job. No, not everything. Yes, not everything. it is. Not everything. It is somewhere. You'd be a football player. Oh no, can't be a football player because you throwing a football that's made out of hides. It's ag related. NASCAR driver. That was my thing when I was a kid. Well, but like I, I don't know. I don't know what I've non-ag related. I don't think there's anything. I did kind of want to be an engineer before I had to take math. <laughs> I like the I idea. Just, that's I like slightly the idea important. Of being an engineer, <laughs> but I just didn't like yeah. the math. You like the idea of being an engineer, except the whole being an engineer. Part. Well, and, <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I was just, I was just curious. I think I would do something in like sports media or something i think that's what i would do and i guess watching the olympics in the last few days that's kind of something i was thinking about and i know we were talking last week about how we didn't have anybody or any ag stories related to the olympics but daniel you said you heard one yeah just kind of watching you know it's kind of been one of those things that's been on in the background and uh was i guess it was one of the women's track events and there was a uh, they were talking about dairy farming on the olympics and i was like well what it's kind of caught my ear and so i started paying attention and uh her name is uh ellie i'm probably going to butcher this name ellie perrier saint pierre perrier saint pierre anyway she's an american track and field athlete and uh she grew up on a dairy farm and is is a big advocate for dairy farming and and i think she's pretty good track star too i think just when we were recording this she just qualified for the finals um the 1500 meter finals for the for the olympics um so She's awesome. she's very fast, and she's a dairy farmer. But that's the only one I've seen. I have, and I haven't watched a lot. I just that one just caught my attention. But uh, I thought that was that was pretty neat because we were just talking about that last week. How we haven't really heard of too many um, tie-ins to uh, uh, the Olympics and 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 people who are farmers. She was also very active in 4-H. Earlier earlier in the show, we were talking about. Um, before you joined us, Whitney, we were talking about drought and kind of how we're looking like we may be getting into one here. Uh, yes. And, uh, we're not the only place that's experiencing some, some drought conditions. Um, even though we're not, we're not drought yet, but we might be, if this keeps up, but, uh, what was, what were you telling us about, um, another place that was having some drought problems? I read an article, earlier this week that said that Willamette Valley, which is Oregon area, you know, it's, it's up Northwest and they're having, they supply a lot of our grass seed, our cool season grass seed, and a lot of our rootstock. I actually get rootstock from one of the nurseries up there when I do my pruning and grafting classes and they're experiencing drought, different types of conditions. And they're saying there's a chance it could affect the grass seed supply and the price because the, you know, they typically have a wet growing season and they haven't had that yet. So um, I'm foreseeing some increases in prices at some point now, you know, they could just increase them just to say that, but <laughs> I think there's a legitimate excuse this year, which I know we were talking earlier. You, you said you thought most of our grass seed came from Texas, but I believe that that's, that's, summer type grasses am i yeah, right yeah it's just i can remember in the past um 
when, especially when I was in sales and seed prices really went up, it was due to drought in the Midwest and it was basically mm -hmm. Texas. Um, but yeah, that's where I thought a lot of our grass seed came from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just kind of looking up the drought monitor in Oregon and yeah, there there's, um, the worst stage of drought. There's a lot of the 17% of the state of Oregon is in there right now. Uh, 90% of it is in a severe drought. So typically think of Oregon getting a lot of rain. Yeah, you really do. I had a friend that lived there for a while and I think they said it rained every day, at least somewhere in the state. But and currently Kentucky, I'm just looking at this drought monitor yeah. and Kentucky is not even, anything. not even a blip on the radar. I would expect that to change very soon. I, I would too. You know, and normally August is sort of dry anyway, but since we didn't get any rain, measurable rain uh, the scary thing is september is usually dry mm -hmm. so and if we have a dry on, august and then go into a dry september, i'm gonna throw another date on on average october is the actual driest month <laughs> of the year so, are you sure yeah, so I'm we're a, just I'm being real positive. we have a real see, positive outlook going yeah i was gonna say i mean here. i mean i know we get i feel like in august it doesn't you get rain. Way. right you get yeah. rain it's just usually hot and so things tend to like you know, it, it, it goes out quick. Right. And that's true. But on, but you know, on average pretend, you know, total rainfall per month, October, oh, is, October is your, yeah. Mm -hmm. October but sometimes dries. it's cooler and it stays around longer. So you don't, mm -hmm. we need a hurricane. Yeah. I don't know if there's any, I haven't seen that there's any of those out there. You know, they were expecting it to be all busy this year and I don't think yeah. there's been hardly we any. need the. You're right though. There usually is a stir up. Yeah. Interesting topic, and we'll talk about this later. But I did see where's uh, was one of the countries uh, uh, is is actually physically planting stuff in the clouds to make it rain. Have you seen this? I yeah. have. We can talk about that another time when we learn a little more yeah. about it. But yeah, they're like putting electricity into the clouds and making it rain it can be interesting. Yeah, could be dangerous. I mean, could be real They've dangerous. Made really massive rainfall events in places that just aren't built to handle it, but. Um, Ooh, where are we going with that? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah scary. that's a little playing God. Yeah. Might have to go get us some drones and see how high they'll go. <laughs> I don't know if we got any that'll go that high to put some stuff in the clouds to make it rain around here. But All right. Well, I guess uh, we probably need to kind of get towards the end of this show. Um, All right. Do we have a song this week? Yeah, I think we may, have, we may have found a song about sheep. Yeah, there's not many country songs about sheep, and we no, probably all found we, the same one. You know what? That may be another project I need to get started on is a sheep song. Yeah, but we you can play guitar, right? So make yeah, you up some lyrics can, and sing you a song. I don't know. I can strum a few chords. I don't know if I can play real good, but we talked about a song that may work for today, and I think we all like the artist. And I don't always think of this song when I think about him. Uh, but I don't what either. Was, what was the name of the song? Black sheep. Black sheep. Matt, John Anderson. Gone. How did it go, Matt? Did you, can you sing us? I'm the black sheep of the family. That's very. You accurate. might have a That's... job being in station. <laughs> I tell you what, when we write this, hey, song, I've been, I have made my radio debut now. <laughs> <laughs> now Whitney's the only one that hasn't sung on the air, so we'll have that's to all right. That. I saved my singing for church. We'll, uh, um, Matt, I'll, I'll play guitar and you can do vocals when we do our Perfect. sheep song. You know what's funny about that whole thing is you all laugh about me singing, and I actually sang a lot at one point in time in my life. But well, come on. But I'm not going to do it for some we'll reason. I have a thing we'll about it, it now. Good, Can't do we'll, it. We'll save it for a rainy day. No, no, no. 
One of these days you'll have a song you just can't hold in. And you just got to sing it. No. (laughs) Um, Any programs you all want to share? One thing we've got going on, our County Cattlemen's Association has a hay contest uh, going on this fall. Big part of that, you know, our intern's here for another two weeks. Uh, We've got him trained with a freshly charged drill battery and a hay probe. And so for the next two weeks, he'll be going out and pulling hay samples if you want him to pull them. Uh, You don't have to necessarily enter that hay in the hay contest for him to come out and pull. Can I borrow him? Yeah, come on. (laughs) Contact the Hardin County Extension Office if you're in Hardin County. We probably don't need to be sending him across county lines. And uh, just call the office and ask for Dustin, and he'll get you on his schedule and get you taken care of. I will say, though, if you are in Grayson County and you need to do a hay sample, I got the tools to do it, and I could come out and do it if I needed to. So, Same in LaRue. We'll typically have a, a few days in October where we'll I do have, that. If you want to yeah. get your hay sample, just call and get on the list and we'll get it done for you. Yep. Uh, one thing I'll plug is uh, Larue County Cattlemen's will be having a meeting Tuesday night, August 10th at seven o'clock here at the Larue County Extension Office. Uh, Bluegrass Stockyards is sponsoring that meeting. So come on out. It's been a while. Um, hopefully we can get this in and we, you know, we're still kind of, we never know when we may get a phone call with covid and stuff going on but uh right as right now everything's good to go so come out and join us it'd more than likely be an email we're probably not gonna get a phone call yeah (laughs) we'll have our rinse and return here pretty soon also in september uh and then that'll be on the 8th september 8th from 9 to 11 here at the extension office and And larue county's rinse and return will be september 1st at uh, Mm -hmm. southern states here in hodgenville uh, from 10 until noon Yep. So get your, get your. Yep. Sounds good. We got a lot of, a lot of stuff coming up. So mark it on your calendars. Always give us a call to extension office. Got any questions? I think that's it for this week. Yep. We'll see you guys. All right. Thank y'all for listening. See you next week. Bye.